Welcome to Lose Yourself with Dr. Mike Cunningham, Bible teacher in Vineyard, Utah. When we lose ourselves in worldly distractions, we lose our value, our purpose, and our passion in exchange for temporal experiences. But Jesus says that whoever would lose their life for his sake will find it. Let's learn what it means to lose yourself with Dr. Mike. Welcome to Lose Yourself. I'm Dr. Mike Cunningham, and I'm so glad you could join me for today's program. We've been in a great series on discipleship this year, and we are halfway through the year, and what started as a January kickoff has lasted deep into the year with no end in sight because the heartbeat of Lose Yourself is discipleship. It is the reason for this program. So often we are focused on evangelism, missions, worship, and those are all wonderful aspects of the church, and I think those are areas that definitely need to continue to be emphasized. But what I've noticed through the years is discipleship kind of flies under the radar for a few different reasons. Number one, it is not usually something that happens in public. There's many wonderful exegetical pastors that preach faithfully and biblically and exegetically, and I'm very much for that and encourage that. But there's a difference between listening to a podcast or listening to a sermon and being in a discipleship relationship. Discipleship relationship is one that is personal, one of accountability, what happens regularly, and is one that is designed for spiritual growth, not only for the person being discipled, but the person discipling the person, because I think we grow the more that we share and the more that we prepare to help others grow in their faith. It raises our maturity level and our competence and our responsibilities and makes us better. I think that's an essential part of the Christian church. Another reason why it kind of falls by the wayside is because it's not always done by staff members. Whether it's encouraged by ministers of Christian education, missions pastors, discipleship pastors, spiritual formation pastors, if your church is that large. But for many people, churches have a pastor, maybe a youth pastor, maybe a music minister. But once you get past those three roles on the church, you are really dealing with the laity. You're dealing with people who are volunteers, if at all. And I think that one of the issues that we run into with those who have discipleship programs is one-on-one discipleship then becomes more of a vehicle for church growth because you can measure it and because it's exciting. But at the same time, we have to sometimes relinquish a little bit of control of it because there has to be the ability for people to find each other and work together. I feel like there are opportunities for people to grow spiritually one-on-one in small groups, families to families, groups to groups. Those are obviously ideal, but there's also need at times for people to have that one-on-one relationship where you have spiritual fathers or spiritual mothers, depending on whether or not your parents are actually believers. Sometimes they need to fill that role because my other passion is generational connection because we've had a few generations where it has been very contentious between competing generations. It has led to church multiplexes and specialized ministries almost more out of a desire to keep the peace than necessarily out of pedagogy. Because I think we all would agree that a parent would make the most likely discipler, if you will, simply because your children should be your first mission field. And we're going to talk about that today because we are picking up on my third phase of this little arc within my discipleship series, which started with, who, me, a disciple? 
ESU. We're all called to be disciples. And several episodes back, I introduced that topic and we talked about how we are all called to be disciples. There's nothing other than being a pupil, someone who is growing their faith or trying to imitate Christ with their life. I wanted to take the veneer off of that and any intimidation that everyone can embrace that role as a disciple. Then we talked about on a couple of episodes about being a disciple maker. And this has been very difficult for people to embrace because if you're like me, you have maybe a little bit of imposter syndrome. Maybe you feel unqualified or not biblically literate enough. There's times in our lives where we give excuses because we've maybe made some poor life decisions. And what I've always said to people is to work towards biblical restoration in those to embrace your own discipleship path in that process. You can be led and discipled by someone else. And when they feel you're ready, maybe that's a time that you can then pursue helping somebody else. And today is the third part of the arc, which is who do I disciple? As we look at this, there's going to be a moment where we can kind of get clarity on if you've never discipled someone before, maybe this is going to help you identify and encourage you to do that. There's going to be a little mix of discipleship and missions and evangelism in this episode because that's part of the process. And again, I probably will weave this into my book that's coming out next year that is talking about what I like to call generational missions. So the very first person that I would think that you would want to disciple if you're of a certain age is your children. And that goes beyond simply taking them to church. Obviously, I would want you to be in church. That is, I believe, a part of our responsibility to make sure our children are in the church and we should be training them up. And there's the Deuteronomy 6 passage that says we should train up our children the way they should go so they don't stray from the gospel and stray from Christianity in this very confusing and mixed up world. And I think obviously there's a host of different passages that to support our first responsibility of being a discipler is our children and grandchildren. I firmly believe that. And frankly, if you're not investing in your kids, I don't know that I really want you to be investing in other people because I think that that would take the time away. Specifically, if you're saying, I have to neglect my children to go disciple other people, I believe that your role as a parent probably supersedes that others. And so our first mission field is the home. The term I'm coining is generational missions. It's one that talks about when we go on a mission trip, we oftentimes go through some kind of cultural training. For example, there's certain hand gestures, there's slang, there's dress expectations when you leave your dominant culture to go into others, not to apologize for the gospel, but to make sure that the gospel is intelligible in that particular culture. And I believe that a, a savvy parent understands Our children are growing up in a different worldview and culture than we did. I grew up in an analog existence. I did not have my first cell phone or internet email until I was in my 20s. And I believe that while I really cherish that analog experience, and I believe that it allows me sometimes some perspective to make sure that I don't get too tech-obsessed or get too distracted, I had a different upbringing than my parents and grandparents, and I had definitely a different upbringing than the two generations that came after me, that we see the world differently. 
the globalization has happened and therefore the questions change. Some of the questions that I would have asked as a kid or a young adult are different than the questions that these young adults and children are asking. And so we have to be ready and prepared to have crucial conversations and answer questions competently because our rising generations are asking them. Whether it's talking about evangelism or whether it's talking about discipleship, I believe the very first people you should be focusing on are your children and grandchildren. I believe that we have to cut through this angst and not apologize for, but speak the gospel clearly into whatever cultural disconnect they might be experiencing. Many people have the luxury of homeschooling their children and creating and fostering a particular worldview. For many others, you're going to be basically living on mission in your own house as technology, as culture, as other influences create issues you know, with the questions that your kids are going to ask. And so I think you need to be prepared for that. And I think you need to maybe, if you're weaker in your doctrine or your preparation, I think maybe you might be able to take on someone to disciple you, to make sure that you have someone to go to when you can't answer your kids' questions. And I think that there's many wonderful resources out there. But in many cases, the first people we should be sharing our faith with are our children. Many of the people we should be instructing in the faith need to be our children. I believe at this moment there are, and I love church planting and I love missions, but I believe that in America right now, there's churches that are planted to reach unreached people groups. There are churches that are being planted because new neighborhoods are going in or there's uh, underserved areas. But I also think that we are, in many cases, planting churches for our children and grandchildren because we don't have that kind of relationship with them. The church that spoke to me is not necessarily speaking to them. And again, the way to do that is not necessarily to placate. I think if you have a strong bond with your kids, I believe if you're discipling them, I believe that the worship style becomes kind of irrelevant. I believe that they can enjoy the church, but the main heavy lifting has to come from our families, and they have to be able to do the work and make sure that those kids are growing in maturity and not in superficial cultural Christianity. And so I think our first people are our children. I believe very strongly that we need to learn the questions that they're going to ask. I think that we need to anticipate the problems that they're going to have, and we need to prepare ourselves, and we need to have answers. And we need to be able to have built that trust with them so that they will ask us, and that if we have to give them an answer that might seem odd to them considering their generational cohort, that they'll listen and they'll appreciate that and trust because so many times it's built more on the trust relationship and the foundation that is set than anything else. I know that you don't have to be a super genius to debate culture or to ground your kids at the faith. You just have to be present, available, ready, competent, and willing to do this and make it regular. And again, I think that family worship needs to happen, whether you go to a church or not. I believe that as parents, it is appropriate for you to have rituals in the home, prayers, Bible study times, times that you can sit down and have Q&As. The new city catechism, I think, is something that's a value that I've used at times to where they need to hear this from you, mom and dad. Youth pastor, children's minister, pastor, they're supplemental. They need to hear this from you. I believe that if you feel uncomfortable about that, I think that that is the beauty of being a parent, and I believe that that's one of the beautiful things that children bring to our own discipleship and spiritual formation is the incentive to grow. 
to not become stagnant, to be of value to them. Because if I get tired and I won't read for myself, there's times I will read for my son or my wife just to make sure that I'm doing what I need to do. And so they'll keep us on our toes and they'll keep us moving forward. But for today, I want to make sure that we are understanding that our sphere of influence of evangelism and missions begins in our homes. We need to be mindful of the technology that is going on. We do need to be mindful of friends. We need to be mindful of schools and curriculum. We need to be mindful about how much of our influence are we abdicating to others. What we have to make sure we are able to do is see our children and their friends as a mission field and be empowered to have those conversations. On the first part of this message, when we're talking about who do I disciple, start with your family, start with your kids, start those traditions, find curricula that speaks to you, memorize scripture together, have rites of passage that involve the first family Bible or the first Bible for your child. Uh, support them if they are active in a youth ministry or children's ministry, you know, confirmation, uh, baptism. Those rites of passage are very important. Cheer them on as they move from being completely dependent on us spiritually, that hopefully by the time they're approaching high school graduation or college, that they can maintain their own faith, that there's a, that there's a foundation and a grounding that has happened and that they are able to answer questions. On my website, I will put some resources for you as parents if you want to go through them, maybe some apologetic resources as well, because I know that it, we live in a confusing time. I never want to scare parents. I never want people to live in fear. But at the same time, I want them to not miss this opportunity or make assumptions because our culture is constantly shifting as we speak and our first disciples live with us. We are out of time for today's episode, but I look forward to continuing this next week as we talk about the importance of discipleship. Thank you for joining me today, and I'll see you on our next episode of Lose Yourself. This has been Lose Yourself. Lose Yourself is a teaching ministry of Bible teacher, Dr. Mike Cunningham. For more information about Mike and his ministry, check out his blog at loseyourself.life. Until next time, make it your ambition to lose yourself to Christ. Lose Yourself is a production of Key Radio.